those guys, it's back. And we've got a really fun episode coming your way today. I've got Sam Resnick joining me. We're talking crazy conspiracy theories. We're talking Taylor Swift. We're talking the state of Boston and Milwaukee sports and a whole lot more. Those guys is back and it starts right now. All right, Resnick, welcome on to those guys. Very happy to have you here. We got our first guest from across the country coming to you from L.A. Uh, So how's the West Coast treating you? Welcome on. Wow. Thank you, Ben. It's great to be here. Very excited. Been a longtime listener of the podcast. Very excited to be able to segment myself in the history uh, books here. Uh, LA, it's treating myself well. Uh, How are you doing, man? I'm tired. I'm tired these days. I don't see you enough anymore. You're all the way across the country. But I think that it's, it's pretty crazy how unbelievable these podcast platforms are now that you can be literally whatever it is, 3,000, 5,000 miles away from someone, whatever it is, and record a podcast. So I'm very excited about this. Our first West Coast guest. And I know that you've been texting me all week how excited you've been for this. So this is definitely going to be a ton of fun. Dude, I was, I was sitting in work today and my heart was beating out of my chest. I couldn't wait for it to hit five o'clock. I could just picture uh, you there, like tapping the foot, like pacing uh, around dude. the office, like uh, thinking about what you're going to say on those guys. Dude, the foot was going bananas today. Glad to hear. All right. Well, why I have you on here today, I mean, we have so many things to get into, but I would say that you're definitely one of my most unique friends that I have. And that really just comes down to your ability to have so many unique interests, so many passions, and so many things you can talk about. You are knowledgeable about the sports world. You're knowledge, knowledgeable about pop culture, movies, TV, artists, etc. You have this whole passion behind conspiracies, crazy shit. Um, and we're going to get into all of it today. Uh, we'll kind of touch on all the bases that you're capable of talking about. So we got a lot to get into, but I think we got to start. Uh, with your conspiracy, wild, crazy shit that I just need to ask you about because it makes me laugh every time. I think I tend to disagree, but I think I need to give you a platform to dive a little more into it. Uh, so we'll start at your thinking behind time travel. So I know that you've always talked a lot about it. I, I think, I, is it fair to say you believe in time travel? Like, how do you think it works? So here's the thing. I'm only going to state facts as facts today and opinions as opinions. So if something's a fact, I'm going to say it's a fact. If it's not a fact, I'm going to state it's my opinion. Disclaimer, disclaimer, a lot of these facts are going to be opinions, my prediction, but we'll see. (laughs) We'll see about that. But here's what I'm going to say, okay? It's not that I believe in time travel, but I believe that it is possible that there has been time travel. And I believe that if you think that there has never been time travel and there's a 0% chance that that's not a logical statement because you don't really know for sure. So that's going to be my stance on it. And I want to tell you guys two time travel stories today. Okay. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I'm not really sure if you guys have heard of them. The first is about a 44 year old named Andrew Carlson. Okay. Sure. How Andrew came to fruition. Okay. He was arrested in January 28th, 2003 by the SEC, okay? Here's what he did, Ben. 
he cherry picked 126 high risk stocks. Okay, he put $800 into these stocks. Are we talking like penny stocks or like like real companies? Uh, yeah, no, no, penny stocks. You know, very high risk stocks. Okay, $800 within two weeks. Guess how much money he made? Put in 800. Put in $800. Like, I mean, it's got to be something crazy if you're if you're asking me. I mean, I would say, did he, like, maybe, like, at most, what, he 100x his money? Okay, so give me a, give me a guess. I, I would say he turned 800 into, at most, like, I, I guess, 100x, 80,000. Okay. In two weeks, he makes a profit of $350 million. Jesus. Okay. So the SEC rests him. They think he, he committed fraud, right? He must but when have. He gets, he gets in the room. He insists he's from the year 2,256, okay? No, he's a fucking, he's a fucking lunatic. He, like, he, he's probably listen, a fraud listen, and committed – and he's, he's gone crazy. It's not right, the end of the story. Fun, fun. He's imprisoned, and supposedly, during his questioning, he offers information for the cure of AIDS, and at the time, where Osama bin Laden is. Okay? He even predicted that the U.S. would invade Iraq. So, okay. And this, is, this is when? You said 2003? 2003. So they haven't, they haven't found bin Laden by then. Okay. And the craziest part is... An unidentified man, whose name has never been on record, put up his bail three days after he revealed that information. There's been no record, and he's never been heard of since. Okay, so you don't know anything about this guy today if he's alive or dead or where he could be? No one does. No images. Nothing. It sounds to me like... And where's the evidence that he turned 800 into 350 million? What do you mean? It's like it's legal evidence. SEC it, arrested him. Yeah, but okay. So if the SEC arrests someone and he was in prison, how do they not know where he is after the fact? If he like, how is he not? Because he went out and bail. Monitor? He went out on bail and he disappeared. Haven't heard from he him just since. Disappeared from the face of the earth. I mean, this who dangerous knows guy it, that was able to turn 800 into 350 million. I mean, who knows if the feds, if like knew where he was, if it was really time travel, then you know maybe he's kept somewhere. I don't know, or he just so appeared you, back to the time. So when you see a story like this, do you believe that time travel is something that like very few people on this earth are capable of, or? Yeah, a lot so of people on this earth don't question, even know right? they're capable of it. What, what's that's like your question. answer behind it? So you're looking at it. Okay, just say time travels like a real thing in 2250, okay? Yeah, and how come it is. But... Okay, let's say it is, for, for example. And like, how do you know who's able to travel back in time? Like, why wouldn't there just be a ton of people like back from fucking 2250 in today's world, you know? So I think that is really one of the biggest, like, wow, like this doesn't really make sense because if this, if time travel was real, that would be the case. I think it doesn't make sense because it's not real. There's no, like, there's just no way that 
time tra- we wouldn't know with time travel. Like, what is that? Uh, what even is time? That, that's a better question. What is time? I mean, that, is, see. that is a great question. That's definitely a great question. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I really, really believe time travel is real. No, but I believe it so could it's be not possible. A, so it's not a fact. It's an opinion. That time travel is real? 100%. What do you mean? Obviously, that's an opinion. Definitely. I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know what you were going to be throwing at me as facts. All right. Let me tell you one more quick story on the topic of tra- time travel. Sure. This guy is known as like the grandfather of time travel. Okay. This is this uh-huh. is the, hoss, the, the most big hoss of time travel. Oh, it's, it's the big hoss of time travel. Shout Blow out my mind, dear. Shout out big okay. hoss. Sergi Ponomarenko. Okay. 2006. Out of nowhere, he appears in a town in Ukraine. The police took his ID and arrested him because he was caught in all for hours. So they thought he was like a lost tourist. Turns out they're like, what's your name? Give me your ID. Turns out he gives them an ID from the Soviet Union. So they're like, okay, who is this guy? They arrest him. They take him in. They start questioning him. They're like, okay, like, what are you doing here? Like, this is a fake ID. Where's your real identification? He points to his camera and he goes... The proof is on there. I'm not lying to you. That is my real ID. So when they look at the images... Sorry, are you lost? Keep going. Uh, I'm starting to get it. Okay, so when they look at the images on his camera, they find pictures of him and a woman in front of buildings. He looks the same age, has not aged today. In front of the same buildings that were once present in the 1960s in in the Soviet Union that are not there today, okay? Four days later, he vanishes from his cell, okay? Official record from the 1960s shows that this guy, Sergi, disappeared in the 1960s, okay? And when they tracked out the woman in 2003, she said, oh, Sergi, I haven't seen him since 1958. So he has all these images on his phone. He has the identification. They have the pictures. They have the woman's story. And they have a missing person's uh, like notice from the 1960s when he allegedly disappeared where he said he's from. Sure. So that's like the biggest time travel story probably out there as like, okay, like how do you explain this one? So is that is that like the top of the top? Like that's if you talk to someone that believes yeah, in time travel, they know like, that story. Oh, they know Sergey. They definitely know Sergey. So the part that I just don't understand is if there was like a larger sample size, it would sort of be a little more believable to me. But when there's all this dumb shit out there on Andrew Carlson and Sergey and whatever, these are two examples of stuff that's trying to get fools like you to believe it. It's like, you. this is the stuff that you, you live and breathe. Like, this is the stuff you at, like literally live for and get excited about. There's, I'm sure there's obviously some more stories out there, but I feel like it's just a whole conspiracy of a couple things that are trying to fool you guys. Yeah, I mean, listen, again, I don't believe in time travel. I think it's possible that it is a thing. But there also are numerous stories where, you know, you see pictures of people with cell phones in their ears in the 1950s and like crazy stuff like that, that you, people do attribute to time travel. Not that I necessarily agree with. We're going to stick facts with facts, opinions with opinions. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting how like there actually is stuff like out there that people really believe. This is like your community. How many people would you say like let's go like I don't know what's a good demographic like people like our age like twenty two year olds just graduated college. What percentage of those people do you think like believe what you believe that time travel might be real? What percent of people are with me where they're like these guys are fucking idiots? There's no way this makes any sense. I'd say twenty percent believe in the possibility. Twenty percent in the possibility. Wow. I mean, listen, again, I'm not saying it's real. I, I'm not saying it's real, but I'm not saying it's not. Fair. Or at well, least we, not possible. Fair. All right, you'll never, you'll never bring me on your side on that one. Um, <laughs> but we got to move on. We got to move in. I'll move on to the next one. A crazy one. Tons of talk around this one. This one, like the time travel thing, like I don't see enough on it, but this is something I see constantly news tv celebrities people our age that's the concept of aliens your guys the aliens so we haven't seen any aliens other than i guess et in the movie fictional um so do you believe in aliens do you and if you do believe in aliens then why haven't we seen them like walk the earth yet Okay, very valid question. So I'm going to say this. I believe in other life figures. I don't think that it's, you know, our current conception of what an alien is. But I I think it's a little foolish to believe that we're the only people out there in billions of galaxies, billions of miles away. It's a little just closed-minded to be able to say we're the only people in the whole entire universe. Like, I just don't really... I actually might agree with that. That I, I actually really, could agree with. Yeah. I, I just, feel like there I, might be some other form of life out there, but I don't think it's, like, aliens and UFOs and, like, dumb shit like that. Maybe, you know, not the little, the little green guys walking around, but, you know, there could be, you know, UFOs and, you know, actually, just recently, there was a uh, congressional hearing where... Um, three military veterans testified um, in front of Congress and claimed that the United States government has operated a secret multi-decade reverse engineering program of recovered vessels. So those are your UFOs per se. You know, they might not be just like the classic flying saucers, but, you know, different shapes, sizes, etc., um, and they also, he also said that the U.S. has recovered non-human biologics from alleged crash sites. Yeah, I okay. think this, this, this stuff is, like, crazy to me because, like, our government, like, actually, like, puts time into some of this stuff, which, is, which amazes me. I mean, why do you think they're putting time into it? Now, here's the no, thing. Th- this is why I, I might believe some of this stuff. And also, I think it's very interesting that when you look at UFO sightings, there's a unique, I guess, just large recording of sightings that occur near nuclear testing facilities and nuclear sites, which I think is very, very interesting. Because, you know, a lot of those the times, like those testing centers are in the middle of nowhere. So, like, why would yeah. there be a lot of sightings there, you know? I don't know. Roger uh, saw a UFO. He told, he told us on Hardbox yeah. that he saw one. Yeah, he did. And, you know, 
I might, I might not, uh, might not believe with Rogers on that one. You know, I think that a lot of the UFO sightings, they're probably bullshit. But I think that there are some that, you know, even the government has said that they can't explain what that is. There's no explanation for it. So, I also think that you know we just have to be open-minded with it, because like, dude, at the end of the day, we know so little about the planet, the universe. So, how, like. <clears throat> Well, that's your whole, that's your, that's your whole thing. Like, what is life? What are we, what are we, is it a simulation? What are we doing on a day-to-day basis? Who is controlling us? What is the meaning behind every day and breath and word and minute of sleep? Like, what is really going on here? I think about it every day, man. I really do. It's crazy. do, Do you ever, do you ever like sit in your office doing whatever you're doing and you're like, you think there's like an outside force that like has you there? Like that you no, didn't contr- no. I don't I don't believe in any of that stuff actually. Personally. You don't think we're you don't think we're in a simulation? No, I, I don't personally. I do believe in free will to some extent. Um, um you know, one of the big things that I think about a lot is just how many years, you know, humans and animals and everyone has lived on this planet and it's just like at the end <clears> of the day, your eighty to a hundred years max is just pretty irrelevant in you know a hundred two hundred thousand thousands of years like so you know the only question that we literally have zero answer to is what happens after death you know what is the world we live in is there a god like we have you know some of these questions i know we said one but it's just like the general concept of the questions that we really just don't have answers for but we go about our daily lives doing what we're told to do um, and you know, I think it's just very important to think about and put in perspective. Fair enough. No, I know. I mean, I think about some of this stuff too. I think that like, it's just crazy how we don't know what happens next. And like, no one really does because there's just nothing or that's what we're supposed to think, but maybe there is something, right. And we don't know until then. So that, that stuff like fucks me. I don't like to think about it. It kind of scares me. Um, yeah. but yeah, we'll, we'll, let's be in dark places. Yeah, it's very scary. Um, but all right, let's move to some of your Real last. Quick, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Over, and that's why everyone should look into cryotherapy, which is what Bill, or sorry, which is what Walt Disney is doing, where he's currently frozen. Because who knows? In a thousand years, they might have the technology to revi- revive him. So, if that's a thing, just an interesting thing to look at. Opinion that you think it could be real or fact. <laughs> definitely a bit and definitely a bit. all right good good good, Dude, good. Jesus. come on now. all right good all right so we're moving into the last topic um i would be remiss if i didn't give you the floor i know you have some crazy theories on pyramids um why do pyramids amaze you what is fascinating to that what is fascinating about them to you um, and like what is your whole thinking behind them all right so Right now, we're going to talk a little bit about the pyramids of Egypt. I've actually been listening to like a lot of podcasts. Have you been to Egypt? No, on the bucket list for sure. You went in the uh, uh, in the uh, what's it called the VR thing? What was that thing? Oh, the Oculus. The Oculus, yeah, the Oculus, the Oculus. Head out to Egypt in the Oculus. I went to. I think I went to Egypt in the Oculus. I don't know if you did. I definitely remember yeah. seeing the pyramids in there. Shout out Needle, shout out Ruben, my Oculus buddies, great times with that thing. All right, so going on to the pyramids. 
What amazes me is just the constructional feat, okay, in a time where these people ha- showed outstanding understanding of sciences and geometry, okay? So sure. how it started getting into this is there's a journalist by the name of Graham Hancock, okay? If you look him up, the first thing you're going to see is Graham Hancock, pseudoscientist, okay? But here's Nothing the thing. Wrong. Graham Hancock isn't a scientist. He says this with absolute clarity. I am a journalist. He's not an archaeologist. Okay. He is merely there to push the boundaries of our research and what we understand. Okay. So he produced this television show called Ancient Apocalypse, where basically he goes into his theory that um, there was back in the time an advanced civilization before the last ice age. Okay. Sure. So this theory stems from kind of him going out with other archaeologists to a ton of pyramids, temples, etc., that were built, you know, anywhere from a thousand to five thousand years ago. And basically mm-hmm. what he finds is evidence that these civilizations actually or sorry, these structures were actually built upwards of like ten thousand years ago. Okay, at a time where traditional scientists say we only had hunter and gatherers, that is impossible. So they're finding evidence that, okay, and then they're also finding evidence of these crazy, like, structures that were built with, like, traps inside and, like, all this crazy shit that is just mind-blowing. So I'm going to hurl a few crazy stats, you guys. But real quick, one thing I, like, I find that's kind of funny about Graham Hancock is (laughs) he made a comment on a Joe Rogan podcast that he thinks that presidents in their uh, debates should be forced to, or not forced, should be like required to take ayahuasca, which is <laughs> like TMT. It's like a hallucinogen and they should be, they should have to debate on it like 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> that would be insane. So he's not the most sane guy in all levels for sure. Um, all right, but I'm going to throw some crazy stats to you about uh, the right, pyramids. Yeah, give it to me. All right, so the first, the blocks average range two to five tons in weight, okay? Sure. That's about, like, the weight of the car I'm driving right now. Sure. All right? And they're transported over 500 miles, some of them, to the site. It is claimed that the pyramid took 20 years to build, okay? So just keep right. the, the stats in mind. 20 years to build, two to five tons, 500 miles. Okay. So it contains 2.3 million individual blocks of stone, meaning that one block would have to be laid every five minutes of every hour, 24 hours a day for the entire 20 years. You said it's it's 2.3 million blocks, you said? 2.3 million individual stone blocks. So that means that every five minutes, 24 hours a day for 20 years, a block was laid down. How is that possible? I cannot wrap my head around it. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. How do you? Today we couldn't do that. I know, but then how do you know it took twenty years? That's what scientists say right now. Like that. That's clearly the flaw because people can figure out how much a block weighs. They can figure out how far they needed to transport it and where they came from, and then you can just do the math on how long it's going to take it. It just must add up to more than 20 years. There's just no way it would take 20 years. 
First how is thousands of years? How exactly? So how is that nobody's dispute that it took generations and generations and literally like lifetimes of tons of people? There's recordings. There's recordings of the pyramids not there, and then the pyramids coming up. So like there's there's evidence. like there's evidence that it's so there's something flawed. It's whether the distance wasn't 500 miles. Or no, the distance was. They have that is accurately stated. That is evidence. So here's the thing. It's a simple math equation, though. I know it's not possible, and that's the thing. Okay. So 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 how so so what's your theory on how it became possible? So this is what I'm getting into. So first of all, how can these people even carry three to five tons? Okay, a car, five hundred miles. It would take millions of people to transport all these blocks. Two point three million stones. Even if you walked, like they didn't have cars, they didn't have like they had uh, boats. No, they didn't have boats, dude. It was like through like harsh jungles and like desert. Like they weren't ta- they weren't taking boats. I'll tell you that much. But it it really doesn't make sense, okay? And okay, then so- they find so then the scientists find the traditional theory is okay. They made a bunch of slaves go and do it, but then the scientists find interesting um, skeletons, okay. Uh, where they found bodies buried next to like soda cans and like food and like they find these skeletons intact like with proper burials okay so if slaves were building the pyramids first of all you certainly wouldn't waste any food or uh like soda cans to bury them with and second of all you wouldn't even bury them like traditional way okay you would just leave them to die so that theory is now scientists think that Okay, what maybe it wasn't slaves. So what do you so think now, it was? So let me first go over the geometrical and or the sorry, the geometry and the um, astronomy associated, and then I'm gonna give a quick theory and then we're gonna move on. So there's a magic number with the periods, pyramids, forty three thousand two hundred. What is if that? You take the height of the Great Pyramid and multiply it by forty three thousand two hundred, you get the polar radius of the earth. If you measure the base perimeter of the Great Pyramid and measure and multiply the measurement by 43,200, um, it represents the axial precession of the Earth, the way in which it moves on its axis. <coughs> 43,200 is a multiple of 72, which is the number of years it takes for one degree to wobble. These numbers, 72 and 4432, can be found in a number of ancient mythologies and sacred texts. In addition, the pyramids are aligned along cardinal points, meaning that they are perfectly north, south, east, and west, and perfectly aligned to the North Star. How? How? How are they perfect in geometrical shape and perfect in astronomical in an astronomical sense? These what people is, didn't, have, didn't have like uh, compasses. Where does this own? number forty three thousand two hundred come from? Just a made it's, up number? No, it's the. I told you, it's the. No, I know, I know how it relates to like the equations, but how did like how did they pick four? I mean, I guess because forty three two hundred. It's the numbers that are like associated with the Earth, and it was, I, it's like I sacred guess it's associated with the Earth. Yeah, and it's like a sacred number for them. So they used it to like equal like certain uh, properties of the earth. So this is like 
basically how this guy Graham Hancock theorizes that pyramids were built, that it's all this like math equation about the earth spinning and you agree with it. No, this isn't him. This is a fact. That's a fact. No, I know the numbers are facts. I I know the numbers are facts, but I'm saying like, so this, it's that, you believe that it was like a natural process based on like the earth rotating on its axis. I believe that they constructed the pyramid with significant insight into the earth's rotational axis, the earth's circumference, understanding of astronomy. So they understood how the earth rotates in order to build the pyramids. Yeah, but this was thousands of years ago. So here's Graham Hancock's theory. His theory is that there was an advanced civilization that got wiped out by the Ice Age. He's theorizing that this was built before the Ice Age. And there's many other structures. If you watch his uh, miniseries on Netflix, it's actually very interesting. Many other structures in Mexico, Indonesia, different areas around the world that actually corroborate this theory. Now, I don't necessarily know if I believe in it. You know, a lot of people have, like, theorized that, oh, aliens came and built the pyramids. I think that's a bit of an overstatement. But I think that there could have been, you know, people that were intellectual and not just hunter-gatherers, like, 10,000 years ago that we just don't know about. Because at the end of the day, what do we really know about 10,000 years ago? Not much. We know what we find. We know with the like, uh, you know, carbon dating and that sort of stuff, but it's not much. It really isn't. So it's an interesting theory. It's one to look into. It's an opinion. It's not a fact. I have no facts surrounding the pyramids besides, you know, those little bit of facts I gave you about like the movement and that sort of stuff. But yeah, that's just my take on it, man. That's crazy. I got to do some more reading on it. I, I don't like. I don't know. I I got to do more reading on these pyramids before I come over to your side and agree with your opinion. I don't know. Look up Graham Hancock for sure. He's, he's an interesting fellow. He is he, if he, is he on your list of like, you could go to dinner with someone or get a drink or (laughs) no. Here's the thing. I like some of the stuff he talks about, but then there's other like situations where, you know, he mentions the ayahuasca and I'm like, this guy's fucking (laughs) great. So it's like, like, no, like they're definitely, but dude, like he's, he's pushing, he's asking questions that scientists and archaeologists want to shut him down for when it's science. They're all theories. We should be opening those types of questions. That's just my take on Fine. All right. We'll leave it at that. I have a fucking headache for Matt. I can't believe I'm in deep thought about yeah. some of this stuff. I got to do some more reading, um, but oh, interesting oh, stuff. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk. Taylor Swift. All right, welcome back. Uh, we have recovered a little bit from our minor migraine, uh, and we're moving on to talk about potentially the most popular celebrity. Uh, I would say, not potentially, I would say it's got to be the most popular celebrity of our lifetime. Um, definitely the most popular celebrity right now. None other than Taylor Swift. I had to bring her up on this episode because. You were there at SoFi for her concert, which has now turned into a movie. Uh, but let me just start it off with, are, are you a Swifty? Absolutely. Total Swifty. Really? Have you always Dude, been or have you always been or is it from the concert? So I'm going to start off by this. She's the unanimous goat, in my opinion. I would say that I've always enjoyed Taylor Swift's music. You know, I find it catchy. Um, I find it very entertaining. Um, you know, my girlfriend likes Taylor Swift. 
Um, shout out Anna. Shout out Anna. My sisters always love Taylor Swift. Um, so I've always been a Swift fan. But that concert was the holy grail of concerts. I recently went to a different concert and I literally could not even sit in it. So you can't go to a concert ever again because you went to see I, Taylor Swift. I think it ruined me. It was the best production, the best vocal, okay, the best atmosphere, the best environment. It was 10 times greater. I've been to playoff games, anything. It was 10 times louder, 10 times more energy, and honestly, 10 times more fun, okay? The obsession is insane. I can't, like, wrap my head around how, like, popular she is globally, nationally. Just, like, it's insane. In, insane. I mean, I know she's, you know, she's going on her uh, her uh, international tour, like in the coming. I think it's in spring. It starts, which is going to be absolutely nuts. Like, find all these people from all these different countries paying thousands of dollars to go see her. And want to know why else she's the goat? Because she's the goat marketer. That did you I, see what you did with her movie, Ben? I, I, my. Mom and my sister went to see the movie. Uh, I'm not going, but tell me about it. Okay, so she's the go marketer because, one, she did this interesting thing where she cut out the studios. Okay, so in a traditional movie, what you do is, like, you hire the studios to do right. all the marketing. They'll put out the movie. You know, they deal with, uh, the like, the actual movie theaters and everything and, like, putting it out there, distribution. Sure. But... Taylor Swift was like, listen, why am I paying, you know, the studios this big percentage to promote and put out my movie when I literally have the recording of my concert and I have more fans than they have that I could, you know, just by word of mouth, one Instagram post say, hey, everyone go check out like my movie in theaters and it'll have, you know, equally, if not more attraction. No, definitely so more. She, what's scaring Hollywood now is she kind of started I guess I we won't see if it's a trend for some time, but a model of not working with the studios to put out a movie, which, you know, before never really happened. Yeah, it's um, brilliant. So it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, especially with someone, you know, with a platform such as that. I think it's also amazing just like with I don't know if this is necessarily you call this marketing, but what I find wild is like I actually like I find her kind of annoying. Like I'm always like whenever I see her on Sunday night football or see her in the news or social media, it's like another Taylor Swift, like more like again, like, Oh my God, like this is getting so annoying. But yet for some reason, I always also kind of care. Like there's that small part of me that even if you find her annoying, you see her and you're like, Oh, she's on Sunday night. Is she at the chiefs game today? What is she doing now? Are people going to see her movie? Like, should I maybe go see it? Like, even if you find her kind of annoying, you still like, somewhat care about her which is just amazing to me like everyone knows what's going on with her and has like a small bit of care for her more than a lot of other things yeah it's it's really wild i think she definitely lives rent free in a lot of people's minds um and you know for me i'd even go as far to say like i occasionally listen to taylor swift well you're a swifty you said you're a swifty, I'm a swifty. i am a swifty do you I do you would know more about this, just like the history of like pop culture, celebrities, and like just like fame in general. Where does she rank? Like, if maybe you don't know, but like I definitely don't know. Is she like 
the most popular a celebrity's ever been in terms of like an artist? Like where does she rank in terms of just all time fame? Because if she's not towards the top, like who is the top? I, I, she's got to be up there. I mean, from a popularity standpoint and the loyalty standpoint, she, she's got to be, you know, up there. Maybe her and Drake. But, like, from a change-the-game standpoint, definitely not. Um, you know, there have been, like, Jay-Z, like, changed music for, for good. Um, you know, there's a ton of other people, but I think... Wait, like, I'm not even talking about just, like, changing. I'm more just, like, just popularity and, like, just the amount of discussion about her, like, and it could be with anything. Like, is she the most popular person on our planet right now? She, like, I don't know. Is it Nessie? Is it Taylor Swift? I mean, I think I, eh, yeah, it's probably messy, but like, she's dude, she's gotta be close. She really does. What about like in terms of touring and like live concerts, because I've never seen such a craze and so much, buzz about her tour and going to see her concerts and like you have even guys like fucking Stephen a that are like on national tv on espn talking about paying tens of thousands of dollars to go see her and like not like basically not wanting to pay that kind of money and then after being like it was i could have paid more and it would have been just as unbelievable so like if you have guys like that going and it's that talked about what other tour artist has ever had a string of concerts like this, like, like is where like the Beatles like that? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think the answer is none. And I think it also kind of ties into her, her performance. She goes for like four hours. Yeah, okay. She, stop. she changing outfits, singing her ass off, you know, engaging with the crowd uh, th- at the show I was at, there was a, I am not kidding you. For over 10 minutes straight, 10 real minutes, the crowd was louder than any sporting event I've ever been to after, like, she thanked the crowd, going bananas for her. Like, be, like literally the craziest shit I've ever heard in my life. It was absurd. That's insane. She's fucking wild. I She's don't know. What, what's your take on Taylor and Kelsey? Is it, it. is it just I for show? It. Or are they, like, actually in love? I just hate it because one, she doesn't need it. Two, Certainly I think doesn't need it. I think he's kind of a meathead. He's such a loser. I agree. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of his, and I just think she could do so much better. Like she's like a pure. Wow, you're a real. That's a real swift. That's a real swifty answer. Saying she yeah. could do a lot better. Oh, you're and I am swifty. I'm waiting for the day when they break up. If he does something bad, his <laughs> career's over. I'm not even kidding, dude. These. These Swifties, they'll fucking come after him. Oh, dude, that would be such good band. That would be hysterical. That would be hilarious. Like, Kelsey, like, they would have to have, like, heightened security at the Chiefs games. Like, there would be a fucking, like, like, you would have for, like, I don't know. I don't even know what to compare that to. But they they would probably have to have heightened security if they broke up. The best is uh, I love when everyone says the NFL won't ask her to play the halftime show because no NFL fans will go. All the Swifties will buy the tickets. And it's so true. It's so true. It's so true. Wow. That's – I mean, that would be the craziest Super Bowl halftime ever, though. That would be, like, insane. Uh, Oh, my God. Those tickets would – I'm – 
they oh my god they would be like 20 grand minimum i saw i saw a tweet saying like imagine taylor swift was scheduled to perform at the super bowl and then she broke up with kelsey a few weeks before and the chiefs made the super bowl and she did her whole halftime as like a new album on songs about breaking up with kelsey and like how insane of a night that would be Oh my god! Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of like those tweets, like oh the football and like all that shit, trying to tie it in, like her what her breakup song is gonna be. But I think I think it'd be very cheesy if she did one like that. I I want to be supportive of it. That's insane. All right, well yeah. Wait, wait, real quick. What's your favorite Taylor Swift song? Oh, that's a good question. What's yours? All right. Big Jake Gyllenhaal fan. I'm gonna have to go all too well, which is written about Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, but that the was ten, like the ten minute version. Did she perform? All, did she perform all ten minutes at the concert? Oh, she did every single concert. She did that song all ten minutes. She's incredible. She's a superwoman. Interesting answer. I'm honestly surprised. I'm going old Taylor Swift for my favorite. I. I, I have to have only one answer. I break out in song every time at Rick's. There are some good videos uh-huh. of me singing over the years. Love Story, number one. Yeah. Best Taylor right. Swift song. For good remixes, good time at Rick's, good memories, being blackout drunk and singing to the fellas. Good times, good times. It's very, by the way, very catchy song. You could have a good time with that song anywhere. Yeah, it's true. There's a lot of good versions. That was... Those were uh, those were some humor nights. Wow, I have good memories. Oh, we don't need to dive into all those and all the people that <laughs> were around me when I sang that. But good times. Uh, all right, enough of Taylor Swift. Uh, we'll take a quick pause when we come back. We have no more love to give. We were giving some love to Taylor Swift. It's all about the hate now. We root for terrible football teams. When we come back. The Pats and the Packers and the state of our awful football franchises. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to end on quite an unfortunate note. Uh, the Pats and the Packers, two of the NFL's worst teams right now. Uh, I was correct when I predicted uh, that the, this would be the worst Patriots team of my life. Um, what I did not know is that it would be the worst Boston sports team of any of the four major sports of my entire life, this 2023-2024 Pats team. Uh, it has been quite painful. It amazes me the new ways they find to lose and suck and make bad plays and disappoint a fan base and take steps back every week. Um, but the Packers are not much different these days. Um, I don't watch enough of them, uh, but I know you do. Um, and they're in a similar state to the Pats. And what I think is so fascinating between the parallels of the Patriots and Packers is this is completely unfamiliar territory for both of us because obviously you didn't experience the winning that I did as a Patriots fan and winning all the Super Bowls. But one thing that is definitely in common is they've both been two of the best franchises in the entire league. They make the playoffs every year. The Patriots win Super Bowls, but the Packers are still winning 10, 11, 12 games, making deep runs. So this is like, completely unfamiliar territory for both of us. I explained that it's been brutal as a Patriots fan, legitimately the worst team I've ever watched in my life of any of the four sports. What has this been like for you watching the Packers fall from the heavens since Rogers has left? 
I mean, it's definitely rough for me, but I mean, dude, my dad was in college the last time that Favre or Rogers was not quarterbacking the the Packers. Right. That's me. It's just like crazy, crazy. Like we have been so spoiled. And here's the thing. I don't even think it's Jordan Love's fault. I really don't. Really? I'm not, that was my I'm, next question. Yeah, I'm not ready to give up on him. I'll say this. The Joel Berry defense has fared, failed us for years, okay? This year, the defense actually looks good. We're actually only averaging like 20 points a game or something. Like 19 yeah, I, I was looking. I don't think your, your defensive stats didn't look terrible. Yeah, but the problem isn't the defensive stats. It's situational defensive football. We will I, – I still see it today. We'll go into prevent D. We never really blow a team out. We always let them hang around. Yeah, we'll play like hard defense, give up 20 points, but if the game's close at the end, you better bet your fucking ass Joel Barry's defense is going to fuck the game. So you, you are a believer in Jordan Love. You think the Packers are not drafting a quarterback is what I'm hearing because we're both in the sweepstakes to get – as high in the draft as we can to potentially draft Caleb Williams, JJ McCarthy, or Drake May. But you're telling me the Packers are not competitors to my paths because you guys are sticking with Jordan Love, or is that just you personally? Yeah, I think they're keeping Jordan Love, and here's why. You know, the guys, it's his first season actually playing. Okay, he's surrounded by, besides his running back, his main receiving options are all first-year or second-year players, okay? You got to get the guy some weapons. So we're saving a lot of money. We've cut a lot of, like, our expenses that are upcoming. I know he's going to have to get paid soon, but he won't, like, get a max contract, in my opinion, or anything. So, no, no no chance. So, you know what? If you go out and you sign a very competent, somewhat veteran wide receiver, okay, you build up the offensive line because Bakhtiari is the biggest waste of money on planet Earth. We pay that guy a lump sum of money to not play and complain about the turf. Sure. Um, so, you know, you go out and you sign someone, you give him a few weapons. I think he's going to be great because you know what? The guy is still composed in the pocket. And that's the one thing that you can't really teach. He really does understand looking at defenses. And I think he learned that behind Rogers. Yeah. He's made some bad throws, but, you know, he's also made some great throws. So I'm not ready to give up on him, and I don't think the Packers are either. Okay, well, here's what I'll say to that. I think it's an interesting point you bring up, and it's actually really funny the way you're speaking because you sound the way all Patriots fans have been talking for the past four years. So obviously both of our teams are very bad this year, and it's the worst year in their last 30 years of their franchise, respectively. But the Patriots, this has been like a four-year kind of process for the Pats. It started with the Cam Newton year and then the three years of Mac Jones where every year it's the same excuses. They're kind, they were teetering on mediocrity, eight and nine, nine and eight. It was like, oh, let's just get a receiver. Let's get an offensive tackle. Let's shore up the defense. Let's get a couple playmakers. And the Patriots refused to do it. And now they're sitting here in year three of Mac Jones, year four post-Brady, and it's hit an all-time low, and he's regressed. In, in, in the team and Mac Jones have regressed in each of the four years. So what I'll say on the Packers' side is if the Packers fail to surround Jordan Love with the adequate weapons and playmakers like an elite receiver, like an elite offensive line, 
it's going to head down the same exact path for you. You're just three years behind and he's just going to keep regressing. Now, the bigger question becomes, and this has been a whole talk around New England is, are we letting Mac Jones off the hook? Are we let, and the same would apply to then Jordan Love. Would you guys be letting Jordan Love off the hook by saying, oh, just get him an elite receiver, just get him an elite offensive line? Like, shouldn't they be showing something? And if they're doing nothing with what they have, and you have to have a perfect situation around them to even maybe be decent at best, they're probably just not the guy. And I think that what you need to be concerned about, and it's year one of the Packers sucking. It's not like total time for a teardown. Maybe it is. Maybe the Pats should have done that three years ago. But if you don't get it right quickly, you're just going to become what we are now. Um, so I'm giving you that warning as a Patriots fan. I, I see you guys going down that path if you don't fix it quickly. Yeah, and I'll say this to that. The first thing is, you know, it is he's only played, what is it, eight games now, okay, as the starter in his season. Okay, and I think he has shown a lot. You know, he had the comeback win in week three. Week two, we should have won the game. The defense absolutely blew it. That's not on him. Um, And, you know, the other games, like, we played a few good opponents. We we lost to the freaking Raiders and Broncos, which is inexcusable. But I think a lot of the fall is on the play calling in those games. I don't know how much of those games you watched. The play calling is atrocious. And – I've, I actually uh, saw some stats. I was listening to the Locked On Packers podcast. And Jordan Love is actually the most efficient quarterback. Or he was like top five in efficiency on third down. But he was the worst on second down. So what does that tell me? That tells me that the coaching is putting him in terrible situations on second down. Yeah, I mean, well, here, here's what I'll say. I see some stuff in Jordan Love that's like a real NFL quarterback. Like he has a strong arm. He can throw the ball far, throws the ball fast. He can move. He's mobile, can scramble, arm angles, the whole thing. My concern, and this is something that has been glaring with Mac Jones, is that it becomes a habit where you play all these tight games. And this happened for, I mean, this year the Patriots aren't really in any tight games. Um, and they're just so bad that they just lose going away most weeks. But for the first couple of years of Mac Jones' career, they were in all these one-possession games, and it felt like he could just never deliver the win. He would always play okay. He would make some good throws on third down. They would have a couple field goal drives, a couple touchdowns. But in the 24-20 type games, ball with three minutes left, he could never lead them down the field to score like Brady used to do all the time, like Rodgers has done throughout his career. So is it a fair concern that, it could become a pattern for Jordan Love where we are making these excuses that it's the play calling, it's this and that, but maybe he just doesn't have it in him and we became accustomed to quarterbacks that do have it in him and it's a rare thing to have that you can just win these games late all the time over and over again. Yeah, I mean, look, he showed out in one game. There's been a few games where – What, against the Bears? No, 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 no. His week three against the uh, – Saints when we came back when Carr got hurt. Oh sure, sure yeah, that was a good uh, game. He, yeah, he like played incredible in that fourth quarter, like full comeback. Um, but you know, here's my thing. So what? You say you give up on Jordan Love because he didn't have a good year. Then you have to draft a rookie quarterback. You have to teach him everything, okay? And then he goes out there and what? He could be a boss. There's a solid chance he's a boss, okay? Mm-hmm. Without weapons, like what's the real? 
I don't know, incentive in like drafting a quarterback if your team's not good. Like, yeah, the Panthers, it's fair. Like, you know, it's fair. Bryce Young, like, yeah, that sucks for Bryce Young because, like, he, I think he's a good football player. He's on a terrible team. CJ Stroud, he's been great. Give him all the credit for it. But the Texans are not a bad team. They have a good offensive line. They're good they because have they offense. have a great quarterback. That's why they're good. I just, dis- I disagree. I they think had, they're good. They built like, the team up enough yeah, for did. him to come in enough. there and do well. Enough, but at the end the of the Panthers day, Stroud is amazing. I mean, there's there's pros and cons. Like the pros to keeping Jordan Love are that he shows some qualities that a real NFL quarterback has, and you develop him. He's cheap right now. Um, you can build kind of the rest of the roster while he's cheap and try to win. The cons and the biggest con and red flag of all is becoming like the Patriots and just holding on to the same mediocrity for too long. And when you hold on to mediocrity for so long, it gets to a point where it just blows up and you have to go all out on the tank. And that's what the Patriots are effectively doing now. Um, And it was just a waste of four years. And as a Packers fan, I think that there's a lot more reason for concern than there should be for promise and hope. Yeah. I mean, I hope to revisit that by the end of the year. I think we're going to end up, we have a really tough next four or five games actually, but I think we're going to end up winning probably six or seven games. Um, it's not bad enough, but it's yeah, it's not bad enough to compete with us. So that, that's a good thing. The more teams away from the paths where we have our own space <laughs> to take who we want, the better for me. Uh, yeah. So that's a positive. Uh, I, before- I, will say, I do love love. I do love him. I'm a All big right. love I got really I got to watch him a little more. I got to watch him a little more. I you hear do. he's I hear he's horrible. Uh, so that's what I'm going with for now. Um, and he doesn't win enough games for me to like him. Uh, Burrow won in like his second year. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. The the, the jury's out on love. Uh, I'll pay more attention to him when the Packers are more worth All my right. time. Watch him this week against a good defense, the Steelers. See how he plays. Oh, I in- actually might take the Steelers in that game. I think I'm taking the Steelers. So maybe I'll watch a little Jordan Love. Uh, that would be fun. All right, that, I will take the Steelers now because that will force me to watch Jordan Love a little bit. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, right, before, fair. before I let you go, before I let you go, we have to touch on it quickly. Uh, I can't believe we didn't even discuss this before, but I have to bring it up. Makes too much sense. On the topic of Boston and Wisconsin sports, our Celtics and Bucks, super quickly, we're competing amongst the top of the East. And I just want to get your thoughts. I know you don't watch a ton of regular season NBA, and that's fine. Um, I don't know if you've watched any of the Bucks so far. I assume you've watched a little bit, but yep. I'm sure you do know that they're 27th in defense right now in the NBA defensive rating. I think I saw something say that said they were 30th in transition in team defense. They look old. They look slow. Um, is there? Is it too early? And it, it is early, but I want to know from you the level of concern in Milwaukee that trading Drew Holiday for Damian Lillard not only made you guys worse as a team, but then directly helped the Celtics become better. That's definite. The Celtics definitely got better as a result of that trade. But is it possible that you guys might have taken a step back? What, what, what's the word in Wisconsin right now? I mean, the first thing when, I, when the trade happened, I said, okay, Damian Lillard's fun. He's going to hit some big shots at the end of the game. But our guard defense just got really bad. It's terrible. And I think it's showing. And I think it's a huge cause for concern, and I'll tell you why. Because you have the two guys in the middle. You have Brooke and Giannis, who are elite defenders. They're going to guard the paint. So it's always been teams have looked to play with the perimeter. 
And then you had Chris Middleton, who in his healthier days was a very good defender. And Drew Holiday, who's the best, you know, defending guard in the league. Correct. And so there really wasn't that many options for teams to go. You know, they really had to get creative. And now you have the two guys in the middle, but you're able to, you know, spread them out on the outside because you, you have people. Chris is old. Lillard doesn't yeah, like defense. Middleton can't slide his feet anymore. Yeah, he's too old. And he used to be a really good defender, actually. Um, but he's too old and it's a big cause for concern. And yeah, the Lillard shots at the end of the game, you know, he hit uh, against Philly, some big shots and he hit uh, recently against the Nets. Like, yeah, they're crucial. That's going to come down in playoff time, but it's also going to come down in playoff time. Can you guard the other team's best player? And I, I don't know if we can. Yeah. I mean, let, let alone the best player, let alone uh, yeah. not even the best player. What about the whole team? Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I look at the Bucks, and from a Celtics perspective, I just think that, yeah, like it wasn't working, whatever the Bucs had last year. Clearly, I mean, they got killed by the Heat in the first round after being the one seed. Like, not like the Celtics beat them, but you guys got killed and it was early. So I get the logic behind having to make a move. But for that kind of a move where you completely shift the identity of your team from a defensive-minded, get steals, get out in transition, and play to Giannis's strengths, Giannis, like, Giannis is – a borderline liability in the half-court offense to me. I know I'm kind of a Giannis hater, but in the half-court offense, nobody in the NBA fears Giannis as like a superstar. And his true greatness comes out in transition when he's in the open court and running up and down and he's the fastest, longest, jumps the highest, quickest. Like you can't stop him in transition. But in order to get in transition, you need to get stops. And they took away their ability to get stops, which makes them completely pedestrian as a team. And I look at a team like the Celtics – it's like, all right, so your perimeter defense is a mix of Damian Lillard, Jay Crowder, Malik Beasley, and Chris Middleton. You're not staying in front of any of the Celtics guards that way. And then your interior defense, which is the strength, is Middleton, is uh, Lopez and Giannis, like you said. But the Celtics are going to pull those guys out with Horford and Porzingis yeah. and Tatum and Brown. Like, everyone shoots threes. If you pull them out of the paint, which teams have effectively been able to do, they're, the Bucks' defense is horrible, and the numbers are showing it. If you get them out of the paint, they are terrible defensively, which is why they rank 27th. And I, I don't fear the Bucks at all right now. Um, and I was really just asking you, like, is is there panic? And is it like, I don't know, it, it, what's the panic level in Milwaukee? And then the final question I have for you is, is it too early to say maybe this whole Adrian Griffin thing is a mistake? Or no, or is that too early? Or what, what are the fans' yeah, takes okay. on that? I mean, the Adrian Griffin thing is definitely too early. The guy's had six games. It hasn't. Yeah. But Fine. I mean, there's probably more on the players. I mean, their defense is horrible. Is there yeah. panic? Yeah, I think there is panic because I think Giannis has looked terrible this year. In the games I've watched, well, I just explained why. Wow. I know, because- but I think it also stems from the fact that okay, you're not getting stops, but you still want to compete with teams to score. So what they're doing now is they're trying to inbound the ball as fast as possible and run up the court. Right, that's their only hope. He, like, in the past, when he was in transition, yeah, he's taking on one guy. Now he's out of control trying to take on the team, trying to do what he used to do in transition against one guy, and it's not working. And it's yeah. really just not working. They're a team that relies on getting stops, and they have been for the past few years. Um, and, yeah, I don't know if it was a good move. I fear them a little bit less as a Celtics fan. I think it's crazy that you actually helped us get better too. I think that's poor asset management by the Bucs. Uh, yeah. But we'll leave it at that. 
Yeah, sorry. Last thing, just yeah, to go point ahead. Out. I think that you know Lillard will have the playoff games where he wins the Bucks the game. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt, he I, will have I those games. In you know the length of a playoff run, I, I don't see it there. I agree. I agree. I mean, he'll win you games, no question. Uh, maybe. I mean, I would hope you guys get past the first round this year, but um, it could be, could be like a franchise directionally changing move. Uh, we'll see. We'll catch up on it on a couple of months. We'll see how it looks. Uh, but for now, uh, that's all we got for today. Sam, that was tons of fun. Happy we were able to do this, even being in three-hour time zones across the country, country from each other and working long hours. So happy we found some time to do this. Appreciate you coming on those guys. Hope the whole audience isn't doesn't have too much of a headache from some of your takes and theories and conspiracies, whatever it may be. Uh, but that was a ton of fun, and thanks for coming on, Sam. Yeah, thank you for having me, Ben. Just want to give a quick note to the audience. Appreciate you listening in. You know, Ben's put a lot of hard work into this. Hope I didn't bore you too much and you found a little uh, humor in what I was saying and that I'm not, like, actually crazy. I'm just, like trying to you know look deeper into things so uh yeah that's it thanks for having me on ben yeah you're definitely cracking me up in in my head uh that was a ton of fun i'll see you (laughs) soon come visit new york all right see you man be good